Hello, welcome to Nerd vs. Nerd, the podcast that explores the intersection of nerd culture with politics and identity. I'm Mike. And I'm Anjali. So, this week we're talking about Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse, which just came out on Netflix. So if you have not seen it, you officially are out of excuses Mm -hmm. and you need to stop what you're doing right now. Pause this podcast and... Go watch yeah, this movie. Yeah, here's, here's our, our spoiler warning for the for the episode. We oh. will be talking. Thank <laughs> you, Mike, be because I, I was not going to, you know, give people a heads up. So thank well, you. Well, you would think a year and a half would be plenty of time to see the movie. Well, so, but that's the thing, right? This movie's been out for a while. Not mm-hmm. quite a year, actually. It came out in, what, December 2018, I think? I thought it was December 2017. Oh, yep. It would have been December 2018. You are correct. Wow. Wow. I, uh, really? my, my nerd card is, we is just revoked. lost some street cred on this yeah. podcast game. <laughs> Anyways, part of the reason I think we're revisiting this movie, aside from its, its Netflix release, aside from the impending release of another Spider-Man movie in just mm-hmm. a week, is because we feel like this movie was awesome and we loved it and we want to talk about it. Yeah. And it was also, I think, uh, kind of fell under the radar, which I still don't. I really don't understand. Um, yeah. I don't know if it was the PG rating or the animation, you know, the fact that it's an, not the animation style, but just the fact that it was an animated movie. Right. So maybe it just seemed a little childish. I don't know. Yeah. I mean, it's got a PG rating. I don't know, so. though, because Toy Story's like yeah, kicking butt right now. So yeah. I, that's not, I don't think that's a fair explanation. But yeah. the point is, this movie. This movie deserves some serious props, and mm-hmm. I hope that we can, you know, you know, give it give it some today. Yeah, give it some justice. <laughs> sure, and you know, the thing I'll say is, you know, we'll certainly talk about the animation style. You know, a lot of people who I did see talk about the movie just talked about sort of the innovation and in animation that happened with this movie, like leaps and bounds, I guess, in animation, mm-hmm. which is true and it is beautiful and colorful and incredible but there's also some great things this movie does with character development and storytelling that i think we want to try to lift up alongside you know the great animation work Mm -hmm. and so with that said i think let's dive in and let's talk about uh the person at the heart of this movie Mm -hmm. our our hero Miles Morales. Yeah. Who is (laughs) spider-man like let's be absolutely clear like Miles Morales is spider-man yes Yes. So, I don't know about you, Mike, but I was a little skeptical of this movie. Mm-hmm. Um, when I you know, first saw trailers for it, I, my gut feeling was, God, do we need another Spider-Man movie? Mm-hmm. Like, my goodness. How, like, are we just like, especially because I think, you know, last year we had the Spider-Man video game that came out. Mm-hmm. You know, um, we've got, you know, the Tom Holland. Tom Holland came not, you know, long mm-hmm. after... Uh, Andrew Garfield. Andrew Garfield. Who was not that long after Tobey Maguire. Right. And so there was something else Spider-Man related, I feel like, that happened. Maybe. I mean, there was a big Spider-Man game in the, the mid-2000s, too. No, I mean in the last year or so. I feel like there was something else I that mean, I was just like, oh my God, Spider-Man is everywhere. Uh, but maybe not. Yeah. The point is, I just, I was like... Why, why do we need another Spider-Man movie? Yeah. And man, was I wrong. Because we really did need this movie. Uh-huh. Um, so I don't know. How, how did you feel, you know, going into this movie? Yeah. So I was pretty skeptical of this movie, too. Like, I wasn't sure. 
with the so I was excited by the previews, right? Because you watched the previews, and like, wow, that's a really cool animation style, and you knew right away that it was going to be about Miles Morales. But the the trailers didn't really tell you anything about the plot of of the movie, and so I was really scared that it was going to be a lot like the Into the Spider Verse comic event that they had a few years ago, and that would have just been a big bloated just not good movie Hmm. and so i'm glad they took sort of like elements of that of that comic storyline and that it was like multiple spider-men and spider-woman well women actually there are two there are two women in this movie i think it's uh uh should be said uh and like that was it multiple multiple spider people and that was the only connection that it had with the comic event which I was really glad for. And then they just took these compelling characters, especially Miles, and just told a great story and, and made a great movie. So so you bring up a good point, because I should clarify that, you know, going into the movie, so I agree with you. I saw the trailers. I was like, wow, this looks really cool. And so my like, my gut feeling was, oh, do we need another Spider-Man movie? But then when I saw it's this little black boy, I was like, okay. Now I'm interested. Mm-hmm. And then some of the later trailers that came out right before the movies, you know, they they show that there's going to be all these other spider people mm-hmm. in the movie. And then I was then I was nervous because I was like, you know what? So, oh, great. You're going to give us a, a black Spider-Man. But then you're going to put all these other characters in the movie. Are all mm-hmm. these other characters going to overwhelm his story? I want this to be Miles' story. Yeah. Um, I think that was a common... Uh, a common thought or a common feeling among uh, like nerds of color, I guess, because you had, um, so Miles Malice has been around for a few years at this point, And for a long time, there was rumors of um, Donald Glover, like being like, he's good. Donald Glover will be the next Spider-Man. You know, there were rumors of him, you know, being Tom Holland instead of Tom Holland being Tom, you know? Mm-hmm. And, I think a lot of people were disappointed. Like, like here's an opportunity for Marvel to, like, do something big and, like, I don't want to say courageous, but a little courageous, right? Um, and then they didn't do it. And so people were like, oh, are they going to do this to us again? Like, are they going to tease us with Miles Morales and then just not give us a Miles Morales movie? Yeah, and then I wonder, too, I think some people, at least I was thinking, are they afraid that putting the spotlight on Miles Morales, a black Spider-Man isn't going to be enough to pull in audience. So mm-hmm. they have to put all these other people in it because if it was just about Miles, that that might not be compelling to a, a broad audience. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I don't know if that I don't know if that was their thinking or not, but I I mean, we'll get to this, you know, mm-hmm. spoiler alert. I I feel they did a really great job of mm-hmm. having all these characters, but it really still does at the end of the day, I feel like Miles' story. Oh, yeah, for sure. And they do they do justice to Miles in a lot of ways. And so I think maybe we can talk about that a little bit, you know, what we like about Miles. And so for me, I love Miles in this movie because he's so relatable. Yeah. He, I look, when I was watching the movie, I was like, I saw my little brother in this movie. Mm-hmm. I saw some of my cousins in this movie. I saw a lot of, black teenagers that i know in miles he Mm -hmm. he he really does feel like a teenager you know that's something we've talked about in some of our other episodes with you know teen characters like making them feel like kids you know Mm -hmm. 
And the thing too is I just I just appreciate the fact that uh, and we'll talk about this more that you know he's Afro Latino. So he's not just black, I should clarify. He's Afro Latino and they do a good job of kind of bringing his culture into the movie and they do it in like a really subtle they do it in lots of really subtle ways mm-hmm. it's the food his mom is cooking on the oven yeah. it's the music he's listening to he's walking down the spe- street and he's speaking both spanish and english just like fluidly yeah. um little things like that that are these little touches that just make this feel like a fully developed character them their family their community it mm-hmm. feels real and they're not being you over the head with it. It just feels so authentic and just natural. Right. Yeah. It's like you you watch this. And so like as a white dude, I'm watching this movie. And I'm like, oh, that's different from my life. But not that different. You know, like, it, like it's the details that are different. Not not sort of like the arc. Mm-hmm. You know, like I have friends. He has friends. Like, it, like it sounds really like stupid and superficial. But I still think it's important important because i think a lot of people will look at someone who's different from them and assume everything about their life is completely different and there's no way for them to relate and that's not true you know like you you find these kinds like uh, you know like oh like i hung out with my friends like oh what'd you do it's like something different than i did but you still had fun you you build these relationships and like you live your life the same way Right. I would say like the first 10 minutes of this movie where we're introduced to Miles, he's in his room, he is like humming along to a rap song because he doesn't know all the words, which again, very, really, we all do this. And then, you know, we see him sort of have these like, you know, tips with his parents, you know, hurry up, you need to get ready to go to school. And then he's walking down the street. And what so is incredible about that scene is they tell us so much about this character through his interactions with other characters as well as his overall environment. And I feel like it's almost like a master class in character characterization. Mm-hmm. Yeah, sort of like show don't tell. <laughs> yes, exactly. And immediately we are immersed in his world. Mm-hmm. And there's there's all these different elements of it. And I just thought like I was so excited right from there. I can watch that scene over and over again. I love it. And just to go back to, you know, Men in Black and some of these other movies that we talked about and we didn't like, this is exactly what they don't do. They're, they don't... These characters are flat in those movies. They mm-hmm. don't have... Like, we don't know anything about them. We don't learn more about them through their interactions with other characters, through their environment. Mm-hmm. There's not these little details that, you know, just contribute to not only characterization, but just world building. We don't get these little things. Mm-hmm. And I think these little things really matter. They're the things that just... in make a movie so endearing, at yeah. least for me. Yeah, like you talk about world building. I think this this movie is a an example of people who are very good at world building. Because when you think world building, you think, I think a lot of people think about like this grand, like, like I, like I don't know how to describe it. Like, like you have to have all of these like details and like the world has to be different and fully fleshed out and you have to tell the audience this stuff whereas in the spider-verse you don't like, you don't need that you just sort of like inhabit the world and you have like these characters like living their lives and like that fills in all the details for you you know and yeah it's just it's just a different it's different from other movies world uh world building uh that we've seen recently 
Yeah. Uh, something else, you know, so this movie came out last year. So last year was the year that we got Black Panther. Mm-hmm. We got Avengers Infinity War. Mm-hmm. It was it was a pretty awesome year, not only for superhero movies, it was just a pretty good year at the movies, I would say. Mm-hmm. And and this movie was part of why it was such a good year at the movies. But I also think I bring up some of those other movies because in some ways I think this movie was underrated in terms of the discussion around those other movies. And also mm-hmm. this movie does some different things um, than some of those other movies I'd, I'd, I'd like to highlight. So I'm not making a comparison with Black Panther, but something... I think it's interesting to try to draw comparisons between Black Panther and this movie, not because we're dealing with black superheroes, but more so because on the one hand, Black Panther is this incredible triumph of sort of fantasy and like some people say Afrofuturism, Mm -hmm. where it's an entirely fictional world that's unlike anything that we are used to or have seen before in real life or on, you know, the silver screen. And... It's seeing black people portrayed in ways that, again, are just completely just innovative, different, fresh, Mm -hmm. exciting. And then you take this movie and all the things we just said that we loved about it. It's so relatable, real. We know people who who are like this. We this looks like real life to Mm -hmm. us. And I I just like to draw that comparison to appreciate, you know, that both of those things are important to Mm -hmm. see our everyday life and people in our everyday lives represented. And then also to have, you know, media representations that sort of push our imagination and Mm -hmm. imagine like worlds otherwise. And so it was just it was just a great year at the movies last year is the the larger point that Mm -hmm. I'm trying to make. (laughs) As opposed to this year, which has been quite disappointing but we digress (laughs) so i think um we could talk we could mention a couple other things this movie does in terms of sort of deviating well i guess we didn't really talk about this uh the ways in which miles just deviates from the spider-man that we're used to so like i said we've had so many Mm spider-man yeah (laughs) so yeah so there's the obvious like miles morales is you know, an Afro-Latino. He has he has dark skin as opposed to Peter Parker, who is, you know, lily white. Um, so, like, there's that. And it's not just, like, it's not just that. Like, he's, it's not, I'm trying to, <laughs> like, this is so much happening here. It's hard to, to like, organize, organize thoughts. Um, well, so, so I know, I know that you have other points you want to make about mm-hmm. that a little later, but I think... The, the reason I bring it up is because I felt like this movie was taking a risk by taking a character that is very well known that we've seen many oh, yeah. adaptations of that is maybe the most beloved superhero, mm-hmm. possibly. Oh, yeah. I mean, Spider-Man's my favorite superhero. You um, know? Like, just Peter Parker in general is relatable. But I'm, I'm a 35-year-old white dude. Of course Peter Parker's relatable for me. Well, no, but he's... I, but um, I think, like... Across the board, Spider-Man yeah, yeah, like, is that's just the thing. You know, is you take Miles Morales and like, like he's like he's not Peter Parker, but black. But he's also Peter Parker, but black. In that, like, he's he's like an everyman, right? So like, you look at Miles and like, oh, Miles is cool. I could be like Miles, you know. I could hang out with Miles, you know. Just the same way, at least for me, I could say that about about Peter Parker, mm-hmm. you know. But then you have like again the the sort of the things that make him, you know, black. That's not just his skin. You know, like the the thing, the, the culture that he's, you know, 
involved, like he's in, you know, like the, the music he listens to, the art he makes, you know, um, yeah, like he's language, food. Yes. Yeah, exactly. Uh, style, all uh-huh. of it. Um, where they, where they grew up, you know, Miles is from Brooklyn. Yeah. And Peter Park is from Queens. You know, those are like, yeah, they're both New York city, but they're also <laughs> like completely different places. Well, I don't know. I'm, I mean, yes and no. Nas is from Queens. I don't know. I mean, there's more to Queens than just Peter Parker's Queens. Right. But yeah, the point is they do they do make these little differences. Um, but sort of what we're getting at is to start talking about, you know, some of the other characters in this movie a little bit. That this movie sort of does a good job of sort of, you know... Upending, like, traditional... Like, I don't want to yeah. say like, like you, what you would have expected from a Spider-Man movie. Yes. And it's funny because, you know, they sort of kind of make fun of it. They know mm-hmm. that, like... They kind of know, like, oh my god, okay, we they know we've had all these movies. They mm-hmm. acknowledge that sort of upfront in, like, the opening kind yeah, of credit like, sequence. Yeah. And they're sort of... They're very self-aware of that. Mm-hmm. And they're, like, very respectful of the tradition, but also trying to, you know, go... Yeah. Go I like how they, just, like, they, like, assume we know the origin, <laughs> which I think is a good thing to do. And which one of the things I like most about Homecoming is, like, it's not an origin story. Right. You know? And this... I mean, technically, it's an origin story in that he starts off the movies without, without superpowers and then gets superpowers. But it's... You know, it's more of like a, a, a hero's journey instead of a like an origin story, I think. Um, but in terms of things that like we didn't expect in this movie, uh, so Liv, I did not see her as Doc Ock. Yeah, you know? I don't think anyone did. Yeah, I was like, like, until they said, you know, her last name, Octavia. I was like, oh, hey. And then, like, she takes the lab coat off and, like, the the octopus arms come out. You know, I was like, oh, damn. I did not I did not see that coming, you know. But when you rewatch the movie, it's like, oh, all the all the signs were there. Oh, yeah, for sure. Um, yeah, like, she, you know, she's a, a scientist and she's... I don't think Otto was, like, a geneticist or anything. Well, I mean, he did do some, like, physics stuff. And she and like her her whole black hole thing like that was all yeah okay so yeah the it was it was there like looking back on it um, but yeah and then we have you know the Peter Parker is still in this movie but he's not the 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 smooth svelte you know like wisecracking Peter Parker that we know and love he's bitter and depressed and and fat yeah right i sh- you know i want to point out months before we got you know a fat thor in yeah. endgame people were like wow look what you know yeah. they 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 humanized this character they showed you know a superhero is like going through depression uh-huh. and is anxious well this movie gave us that sort of a depiction months yeah. beforehand yeah peter parker was fat thor before Fat Thor is Fat Thor. <laughs> are there any other are there any other characters that sort of like through you at all? I mean, we'll we'll talk about all the the spider people. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. Um, one last thing on on Miles. If you've listened to any of our other episodes, you know that I have like a almost like a fetish for relationships displayed on screen. But I really like that the relationships. Is a weird choice of words, Mike. Uh, well, I whatever. <laughs> Um, like, that is kind of what I focus on. It's, it's what draws me, um, in, in movies. And so I really enjoy the relationship Miles has. Like, they're just, 
they're just like fun, interesting relationships, you know. And so you have like Miles with his his father. It's like a strained but loving relationship, um, where like the the scene where Miles' father drops him off at school and then just like embarrasses him because like you gotta say I love you, Miles. Dad, Dad, I love you. Gotta say it. Say it, Miles. And like I just, I don't know. Like I, I thought it was adorable. It was, it was, it was funny, and you know, it was, yeah. Like I just enjoyed it. Um, that is like the highest compliment that you can give something, Mike, is to say it's adorable. I mean, I'm, uh, I've decided. <laughs> <laughs> well, hey, like Wednesday is adorable. Like that's where it started. Um, now you're going off the rails. Yeah. Yeah. But so to bring this back, um, I really like Miles' relationship with Peter. Like, uh, just like the sort of like mentor-mentee relationship, um, you know, where I think, like, it's kind of like cliche, but like teachers learn as much from the students as the students learn from the teacher. Kind of like that. It's like Miles, like, reminds this old, fat, depressed Peter Parker, like, what it like, what it is to be Spider-Man, you know? Uh, like, Miles does that just as, like, Peter, like, shows him the, the ropes of, like, like this is, how you, this is how you swing, and this is, you know, this is how you fight, you know? So, like, it's, it's a very much like a symbiotic relationship as opposed to, like, a one-way, like, teacher teaching the student thing. I, I mean, the funny thing, too, is that <laughs> Peter, he's re- a reluctant mentor. Yeah. He, he does not want to be a mentor. Oh, yeah. And he does not even really like kids all that much. Mm-hmm. And so, I mean, not only does does Miles sort of remind him of what it you know means to be Spider Man, he shows him that he can be a good mentor and that you know he he's he's good with kids. Mm-hmm. Maybe he could be a father. Yeah, right. And you sort of like pick up on that at, at, like in one of the last scenes of the movie where yeah. you know he tries to he he's like goes to reconcile with Mary Jane. Um, and maybe we'll get that movie someday. <laughs> I don't need that movie, yeah, but fair. Um, Kirsten Dunst just like ruined. Oh, I don't want no. the Mary Jane character. For, no, it's just like the whole oh. throw the whole character out. Oh, Thankfully, okay. we've got Zendaya, and she's sort of given us a totally like yeah. her that depiction of Mary Jane. Mm-hmm. I mean, aside from the fact that it's like Zendaya, this you know actress of color, it's more that she just has a totally different personality mm-hmm. that I'm like is really refreshing. Yeah, but we'll save that. We'll save well, that for the far from sl- home. Slight, slight, uh, slight detour though. Have you seen Zendaya? Uh, Zendaya's like complete trolling of racist online where she like takes pictures of herself and like photoshops like MJ's red hair on her <laughs> and people flip I out. I don't think that's photo. No, she really did dye her hair. Oh, did she? Yes. She's I mean, like, I've watched interviews, you know, they're, they're on like a, a press tour right now for oh, the movie. Wow. Okay. Oh, Cause like in the, the, the previews, like she's, she has her normal, her normal hair. No. Yeah. So in the movie, no, in the movie, oh, she, okay. I'm saying real life Zendaya did dye her oh, hair okay. right now to oh, troll. Okay. Yeah. No, in the movie, she does not have red hair. Mm. Nonetheless, <laughs> she has now inspired me to dye my hair red. So yeah, I, I love a good, a good trolling. So <laughs> yeah. Um, and then finally, I know you disagree with me a little bit on this, but I really like, uh, Miles's relationship with, with Gwen. Um, I think, so this movie is also sort of like a teen coming of age movie too. Right. And, uh, Miles is dealing with a lot of the same, you know, the same issues that, you know, teens deal with, like the stuff that, that they, that they worry about. 
you know, and part of that is like she has a crush on the new girl, right? And like it starts off that way, but I think by the end of the movie, it morphs into like it's a it's a friendship, not so much like a a, a will they won't they romantic thing. But it can be so that let me just stop you right there <laughs> because there's a there's a whole space in between will they won't they this like grand you know mm-hmm. chemistry and then just being friends. There's a whole range. Of relationships Mm -hmm. there. Oh, yeah. No, for sure. So I agree that this movie does not end where it's like, oh, there's this tension between these two characters. Oh, we like ship them. I agree. I didn't feel like they really drilled that down. Mm -hmm. But I still felt like there was some flirtation and there was some mutual interest there. Yeah, I and I do, too. I feel especially like at the beginning of the movie. But as soon as like... Miles finds out that Gwen is is Spider Woman. I think a lot of it, like at that point, the like the romant the the possible romantic part of the relationship like is not shown in the movie anymore. Well, I think that's because they've got some bigger things to deal with. That's that's uh. fair. <laughs> but I also think by the end of the movie, they're like they're they're okay. So I was explaining this to you earlier. I like. Um, when seemingly normal things are displayed on screen, but you don't normally see them portrayed that way on screen. So in this case, you have like a male-female friendship where a lot of times there's that will-they-won't-they romantic tension, but I like I don't really feel it. They're, also, in, they're also kids. How about we put that out there? That's, you know, that's like fair. we're not talking about full-grown adults here. Right. Like, but I mean, like at the beginning of the movie, like there was obvious like romantic tension there. I wouldn't call it romantic. They were just, oh, you're cute, you're cute. Haven't seen you well, around before. They were to- they were I'm totally getting nervous around each other. Sure. See, I think you don't understand how to properly talk about teen relationships, romantic and otherwise. I mean, it's been a long time since I was a exactly. Teen, so. so, I just think that I don't know. I think I, don't, I just I. I think it's it's complicated. They're not. They're not. Can can we agree that it's kind of a cute relationship though? Like, no, I don't think so. Oh, fine. Well, fine then. <laughs> then we disagree on that then. Um, but speaking of Spider Gwen. Well, yeah. So Spider Gwen. Who else we got? We've got all these other Spider people in the yeah. movie. So as we talked about before, there was an initial concern that all these other characters would sort of not only overwhelm kind of the, the focus on Miles, but just mm-hmm. overwhelm the story. Like, how are, how are you going to do this in one movie? Like, yeah. are you trying to do too much? And yeah, so... Yeah. Yeah, sorry. Go ahead. So no is the answer. They're not doing too much. And in fact, kind of, I think this is one of the... One of the things I enjoyed so much about this movie is that the introduction of all these characters and I... I, th- I thought they just did it so well. They introduce these characters. They tell you a little bit about them mm-hmm. and their sort of world they come from. Um, it's like kind of really quick. The way that they do it is kind yeah. of funny. And again, yeah, they're it, very it's, self-aware. It's a, it's a running gag. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. There's this self-awareness that this is like a lot. It's like, okay, let's just another one. Hurry up. Uh, and <laughs> one it's last just, time. It's just fun. There's something, there's something in the movie for everyone, mm-hmm. you know. So I don't know if you want to kind of run down all the, the people yeah. or... So, I mean, you have you have the big three, which I think are the, you know, uh, you know uh, Gwen Stacy, Spider-Gwen, or Spider-Woman, as she's 
called in the movie uh, Peter Parker. You know, old and depressed and fat, but still Peter Parker. And then Miles. Like, I think it's fair to say, like, those are the big three. Those are the important ones. And then... Sure, they're the ones that are definitely kind of... They get the most screen time. Yes. Yeah. And I think that's why it works with all these spider people is because then you have Penny Parker, uh, Peter Porker, Mm -hmm. and Spider-Man Noir. Mm -hmm. Like, they're there and they have some lines, but... Like they're 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 secondary characters, mm-hmm. you know. Um, so I think that's why why it works. Yeah, like I don't really have anything else to say about the the last three, other than that. I, I mean, they were funny. Like it was really funny. Yeah. it was really good casting. It was really funny. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and again, I I think their purpose was more for some of that like comedic relief and just you know some different elements but mm-hmm. we we at least got a little bit about each of those characters yeah. to have a, you know a reference for kind of you know where they're coming from mm-hmm. and so yeah it worked yeah i think there's another character in this movie which sure. is new york city itself uh and so you know we talked before about the ways in which this movie does an excellent job of Developing Miles, you know, fleshing him out as a character, both through his relationships with all these people, as well as his relationship with his environment. Mm-hmm. And for me, the, the depiction of New York City in this movie is amazing. New York City, uh, to me, it was more realistic than a, a lot of sort of, you know, shows and movies that are actually filmed on location in New York, yeah. you know? We were talking before about all these you know shows like Seinfeld mm-hmm. or Friends or Sex and City that are all filmed in like New York and it's like you rarely see people of color. It yeah. just doesn't feel like New York. Yeah. Um, and but this this just feels like whether it's Miles walking down the street, um, whether it's him going to you know was he going to his little charter school? Mm-hmm. Him and his dad are talking about like the new coffee shops or talking about the gentrification that's happening, like what's happening to Brooklyn. Mm-hmm. We see him taking the train. And it's just like it's very grounded, yeah. um, and I love that. Um, so yeah, I'm, I just appreciate New York as this really again fleshed out world kind of a character, mm-hmm. and it helps tells Miles' story, and again contributes to why he feels so accessible as a character. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, and then I have like a little note in here too. I'm not. I wasn't sure if this was the best place to to discuss it, but I mean, I I think, I think it kind of is because like as you watch Miles in New York, you get a sense of like who he is and like the culture that he mm-hmm. that he that he lives in, and so another one of my favorite scenes in the movie is the 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 graffiti scene uh, in the subway with his uncle, you know, and as you watch that scene. You know, Miles had, like, planned this thing out. Like, this is what I want it to look like, you know? And then as he's uh, creating the piece, you can hear his uncle. But, like, okay, like, hand, like, no, not straight line, you know? And, like, it's sort of, like, coaching him. Um, and that sort of, like, implies that that sort of, like, graffiti is it's a real art form. And it has its own sort of, like, rules and conventions of of you know what it is you know like if you like go to if if you look at um uh what's a what's a big art movement like if you look at like monet and whatever art movement uh he's from there's different elements of style for that particular 
for those for those kinds of paintings, right? And it's like the same thing is true for for like graffiti art, you know. And I think it sort of like normalizes and validates it as an art form having that scene in the movie. Well, it's not just. I think that's not only what the movie does with graffiti, but it's really what the movie does with hip hop. I mean, even mm-hmm. in that scene that you're talking about, you know, the music is is a big part of it. And again, that's part of you know the depiction of New York City that we see in this movie. Mm-hmm. And I think what it does is specifically, you know, not only with the graffiti, but we see throughout the movie that, you know, Miles, he sort of is like, he's tagging, yeah. you know, different spots around the city. This mm-hmm. idea that, you know, people are not only like a product of it, their environment, but they, you know, can manipulate it and, you know, shape it. Mm-hmm. And to, to talk really quickly about music in this movie... I freaking love this soundtrack. This is my favorite soundtrack of last year, which I know is disrespectful to say in the year that we had like A Star is Born and even the Black Panther soundtrack, like both of which were what nominated for like what Oscars. I, I don't know. I don't know if it was the Black Panther soundtrack or the score. I think it was the soundtrack. Um, but anyway, but no, one was definitely nominated. The soundtrack of the score was nominated for, you know, okay. Oscar and along with, you know, the star, A Star is Born. But I don't care. This this was my favorite soundtrack of the year. I it was so good. And the other thing too, it it features a lot of sort of newer rappers. So I didn't. I'll be on. I'm old. I didn't know a lot of the rappers on the soundtrack. <laughs> I didn't. You know, I'm like a hip hop head, but I didn't know a lot of these people. But like my um, my 15 year old brother did. He he knew all these people. Oh, this really? is this is who he like. Oh, Juice World. Like all these people. Um, and so, but it's it's just really good. I'm telling you. If you have a chance, listen to Start a Riot. <laughs> um, <laughs> I, I kind of want to listen to that, that song based on the name alone. I will tell you, when I, I will listen to this soundtrack, or I have, like, on the way to work, and this soundtrack makes me think that I could possibly jump off a building. The soundtrack is dangerous. <laughs> it's just really high energy, mm-hmm. really good, really youthful. It is... It is the perfect soundtrack for this movie. And I think that we need to, you know, just give a round of applause for the, the people who put that together. You did a great job. I need I need to put that in there. So uh, that, that, No, that's a good point. I mean, I so I don't know anything about hip hop in general, let alone modern hip hop. So just stop. Just don't. No, 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 I'm just saying. But as I watch this movie, I'm like, I like this song, you know, like it, it fits with the movie really well. So, yeah. So I agree with you. Good. <laughs> Good. I don't have to flip this table. Um, <laughs> so another thing that I think is really great about this movie is it introduces this concept of a multiverse. So we talked about how they balance all these characters, mm-hmm. but more than just having all these characters, this idea of a multiverse, yeah. which, you know, again, we're in in anticipation of Spider-Man Far From Home coming out next week, and the trailers for that movie have sort of teased this idea of a multiverse post-snap, perhaps. Mm-hmm. Uh, but that this is it's important to know that that's not the first movie that's sort of, you know, the first Spider-Man movie that's teased this concept. Yeah. And I think that's something that's exciting because, you know, the idea of, like, parallel or alternate realities is something that's, like tried and tested in comics you know Mm -hmm. but in terms of you know comic book movies you know which are you know appeal to these broader audiences many of whom are not familiar with comics the fact that they introduce a kind of a more complex concept 
and they do it so well and it's like a pg movie so you know yeah so you have like that much younger audience too <laughs> yeah, yeah i i was really impressed by the way that they did that yeah uh yeah me too uh because i think they do it i think they sort of adjust the concept really well for the new medium mm-hmm. you know because you can't have a comics version of parallel universes and alternate realities in movies like it, it just doesn't translate that well so they just so they modified it a little bit instead of having these fully fleshed out completely different worlds and universes they just take bits and, and pieces from you know one of the worlds to sort of inform who the character is you know so you have like penny parker who is like from the the future that's why she has this this mac right and then you have um like spider-man noir who's like in black and white because he's from the 30s you know and so you don't know like that's all you know about these alternate universe like it's in the future it's in the 30s uh which i think you kind of need to do for like the medium of, of movies and which were you in comics you would have a more fleshed out sort of you literally build a world again to use that that term again um yeah so uh one of the things i like about this movie a lot is the sort of it it separates itself from the spider-man movies in another way you know the the big i guess phrase that you think of when you think of spider-man movies is with great power comes great responsibility and in this movie miles goes to say it and peter's like no do not complete that sentence which i think is this movie's way of saying no we're not gonna we're not gonna have that we're not gonna have this big tragedy as a you know as a a Uncle Ben's not getting fridged in this movie, <laughs> you know? Um, and instead, I think it it goes, it, it uses, like, two other, like, possible uh, ethos. One is you can't save everyone, which you kind of get with Peter Parker because uh, you couldn't save Uncle Ben. But you really get it with uh, Spider-Gwen with, like, she couldn't save Peter in her universe. Um... And then you get it with Miles, and, like, he couldn't save his his uncle, you know? And I think, like, that's like that's a slightly different thing than, you know, with great power comes great responsibility. But I think the bigger one in this movie is to, is, like, be great. You know, you have Miles, and he feels this pressure from, like, his parents. You know, he's at, the, he's at this... this school it's like you like you need to do really well you know so he feels that pressure then he then he gets his powers and like he feels this pressure to to be spider-man you know and like he's 15 years old like you know like he's really young like and he has these pressures and it's hard you know i'm a 35 year old man and like any sort of like mundane pressures like i'm like i still feel it like let alone you know the, the pressure he feels but he like he wants to do well he wants to be great and like you to to be great you have to take risks and you have to you have to dare to be great and he does that he he he's like he's trying hard and he's failing and then 
he's like, how do I know I'm Spider-Man? Peter Parker's like, like, you don't. Like, you just, like, you just jump and you find out. And so, like, he, that's what he does. And so, like, like he dares to be great. And then, like, he sort of, like, breaks through. And he is great. And so, yeah, I think that's sort of, like, living up to the expectations of people around you and the expectations you set for yourself, I think, is a, a big a big part of this movie. I think I think I would generally agree with that. I think another big part of this movie is, you know, sometimes you have to do things before you feel ready to. Mm-hmm. And, you know, he initially gets these powers and he's sort of trying to make sense of them. And then all of a sudden, you know, Spider-Man dies and sort of, you know, he he kind of knows what needs to be done to sort of, you know, mm-hmm. defeat. Why am I blanking on his name? The villain in the movie. Oh, Kingpin. Yes. Yeah, he's just some old white dude. <laughs> no, but well, we didn't talk about this, but, you know, I thought it was interesting that, you know, Kingpin is the villain in this movie. Again, we talked about how this movie is sort of characters we're very familiar with. And mm-hmm. they're sort of, you know, we're getting a different depiction of them. I mean, coming off the Netflix Daredevil show... Kingpin, we're all very familiar with a certain depiction of that character. And then in this movie, he's a little different. Um, similar but different. But yeah. anyway, I, the point is that I, Miles, I think he, 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 yes, he's feeling the weight of these expectations from like Spider-Man. Like, you can do it. You know, his parents, like you said, you know, their expectations for him and his academic career. But I think it's more, he just, it's not, you're right, but some of it comes from him. He wants to he wants to do the right thing. He wants to do good. He's mm-hmm. not sure how. He doesn't feel ready. He just got these powers. He doesn't know what he's doing. Mm-hmm. And it's, you know, that idea of like, you have to leap before you feel ready to do it. And mm-hmm. you just, and it's in the doing that you actually, you know, become what you want to, you know, be. Yeah. And so don't say it. <laughs> I know you're going to say it. Um, now you have to say it because people are yeah. going to wonder what we're talking yeah, no, about. Like you, you become Spider-Man by being Spider-Man. Okay. <laughs> this is Mike's way of being self-referential. Yeah. Anyway, so I think with that said, let's talk about the ways in which this movie, for all the things that it does really, really well, mm-hmm. how it might impact future superhero movies, movies in general. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so like, let's, let's start with the... Um, like how it could impact just movies in general. So this movie won an Oscar for best animated movie because of course, like, like how could it not? Like what other movies came out last year that could have, like, I can't even tell you because there were, there were some things. Wasn't there like an Incredibles movie? Oh, okay. Yeah. There was an Incredibles movie, which was pretty good, but it was not Spider-Man and <laughs> the Spider-Verse, you know? But if you watch this movie, like it's visually stunning, right? And it's just gorgeous to look at. And so I actually found out earlier today that Sony is trying or tried to like patent the animation process in this movie. So there are a bunch of different techniques and technologies that they developed for uh, this movie. And so I just want to like go through a few of these. So like they tr- it tries to incorporate like retro elements of old like old school comics Mm -hmm. you know it has like thought bubbles that show up and it has the sort of i don't know what the actual name but the sort of like the exposition boxes so when they're doing all of the uh the flashback origin stories you see like comic panels and they have like little exposition boxes which is which is really cool um 
you see uh, the the Benday dots, which are sort of like the the three primary color dots that combine to make the other colors. Like if you look at old comics, they're all like it's all dots. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. Um, you know, so they have they have that, and then this is a computer animated movie, but it tries to incorporate like the look and feel of other animation styles. So if you look at Penny Parker, she looks like she's an anime character and not like a flat anime character. Like she's still like 3D rendered, but she looks like a 3D rendered anime character. You know, um, you have sort of like the classic like Disney looking animation with Peter Parker. Again, 3D rendered, but he has that look. Um, and then you also see something else with Spider-Man Noir, like with the black and white thing, but he's not flat. He's like, he's still, yeah, I'm not sure how to, how to describe it. And like, they did that by using, by like developing like new lighting and shading techniques for 3D models. So like that was, um, I thought that was really cool. Um, and they also use some older, like retro, like cartoon and animation techniques you know, something called like half toning where they sort of like lighten something or darken it using like squiggly lines and smudging colors for like, like uh, to simulate like motion. Um, and then they also remove some modern techniques that make some 3D movies, like they, they look sterile, right? Like, like I love Toy Story 4, but everything in that movie, even when they're like outside and dirty, it's still really clean. Everything's really smooth. All the lines are really sharp, mm-hmm. you know. And for the the animators for this movie, they they didn't do some of that stuff. And they also use sort of like hand drawn animation, so that sort of like introduced like quote unquote errors. Which I mean, these are professionals, <laughs> <laughs> so like I mean, like human error, sure. But I think like it gives the movie like visual character. And so the the analogy I make is like you can listen to CDs or you know some other like high fidelity like music, but nothing really has the same character as listening listening to like a vinyl record where like you put the the needle down like you hear that needle going down like sound and then like you hear the pops as the music playing, and like that's not like high quality high fidelity music. But I would much rather listen to that than, like, a perfectly rendered, like, studio recording of something, you know? Um, And then, like, one last thing is some elements of this movie, they look sort of like stop-motion animated, Mm -hmm. like, kind of feel. And so that's actually, uh, like, they use two different, like, animation techniques. One is called animating on one, where each, uh, like, each frame is, like, a slightly different picture. And so, like, when he's running, they're using animation on run to, like, demonstrate, like, his speed or, like, like how, like, his smoothness. Uh, and then when he gets hit and he, and he gets back up, they use what's called animating on two, where it's only every other uh, frame is a different picture. So that's what gives it that sort of, like, delayed stop motion claymation feel. And I actually really enjoyed that in the movie, too. So... So, thank you, Mike, for that super detailed breakdown of the animation style in the movie. Mm-hmm. I think the big thing, though, is that they took risks with this movie. This was something that we hadn't seen. Mm-hmm. Uh, there was a lot of work that had to go into this. So, they took a lot of risk, and they didn't know how it was going to be received and if it would pay off. 
And I applaud them for that. Oh, yeah. I mean, not only were they successful, the point is that they were bold. Mm-hmm. And I think we frankly need a little more of that. Yeah. And then to quickly circle back, I said earlier in the episode that there, we had been inundated with so much Spider-Man stuff. And I, and I felt there was something else I couldn't think of. And I remembered what it was. It was the Venom movie oh, that came out yeah. last year. So again, yeah, Spider-Man they're... everywhere. Yeah, for real. <laughs> so something else, you know, in addition to the animation style, you know... As we've said throughout this episode, this movie it has a really novel approach to storytelling. Again, mm-hmm. we talked about Miles. We talked about his environment. We talked about the use of language, music, relationships, just food, everything to really tell us who this person is, uh, what they care about, what they value, uh, what they like. Mm-hmm. And it's fresh and it's exciting and it's fun. And again, I just... I want to see more, not only comic book movies, but just movies in general, really, you know, like do their part to sort of fill in the details of characters. I want to know these little random quirks that they have. I want to know these little things. I want to know what they like to eat for breakfast. Mm -hmm. I want to know, you know, like what clothes they like over other types. Like when we see Miles customize his suit, you know, Mm -hmm. in addition to him taking his leap, he like he again, he literally makes the suit his own. You know, he puts his fresh take on it. Uh, and not only does it look fire, but it's just, again, he, he's making this story. He, it's, it's customizing it. Yeah. And I just want to see more movies do that. Mm-hmm. Um, make these characters feel like a real person. Flesh them out. You know, yeah. good and bad. Just, you know, ex- mm-hmm. eccentricities and all. Please. Yeah. And I think, uh, like, I think we talked about this a little bit when we talked about Endgame. Um, that sort of, like telling like letting letting directors and writers have like the creative freedom to like tell like a a unique and interesting story um like you like that's what miles kind of did like he he took his creative freedom and like you know he made the new suit you know like he has his art you know um yeah so like this like you yeah, the same thing. Yeah, the same things that apply to like this movie apply to like all the all the other like Marvel movies and just movies in general. Uh, and a related point is, you know, representation, diverse representation in media matters, mm-hmm. and not only diverse representation in the sense of having you know characters of color, you know, black, Latino, and Miles. We get you know a, we get a two for one, mm-hmm. but. And, you know, as well as with gender uh, and sexuality. But it matters in the sense that diversity, just that not only are they, you know, characters of color or female characters, but again, they're, they're really fleshed out. And I think I was telling you before, earlier today, Mike, about uh, a podcast episode with Eve Ewing, mm-hmm. uh, who is the writer of the Ironheart comic at Marvel. Mm-hmm. And... So she was being interviewed on a podcast and I happened to catch a snippet of the interview and, you know, she was sort of talking about there was a lot of controversy over her being hired, you know, by Marvel to write Ironheart, even before it was publicly confirmed that she had been hired when there was just mere speculation that she might be in the running. Mm-hmm. There was so there were a lot of really angry, like white supremacists, misogynists, mm-hmm. um, straight yeah. white dudes, basically, who were really mad. Like, oh, she's gonna come in. She's a social justice warrior. She's gonna ruin this comic. Mm-hmm. Uh, and she she was talking about how she just sort of laughed at that because it's like, what? She's like, 
you know, as she was talking about as someone who's like a lifelong reader and fan mm-hmm. of comics, um, and sort of also has sort of studied comics as like an art form. Mm-hmm. Like she's like, what did you think I was gonna do? Like I'm not gonna come in and just you know have these characters literally stand on soapboxes and give like some like intense speeches, mm-hmm. like you know. Like, every panel's going to be, like, them standing up, you know, decrying, like, the history of this country and, like, oppressed peoples. No, she's like, I I like good characters. I like characters going on adventures. I like them having fun. And I want to see, you know, little black girls be able to have an adventure mm-hmm. to, you know, create a robot in their garage or, you know, play around with technology or, you know, go out with their friends and get into some trouble. Mm-hmm. Like, like that's what I mean when I'm saying diversity matters. It's not just, oh, we're going to have, you know, some some black characters, some queer characters, some female characters, but that they're allowed to be, you know, they can go on adventures. They yeah. can have fun. They're allowed to be people. They're allowed to have flaws, too. That's yeah. the thing. They don't... You, sometimes I think we feel like often we if you know a group has been underrepresented or not represented that it's like we're afraid to show those characters have flaws or to have shortcomings or really things we don't like because we're like we want you know we want people to be sympathetic to this character we want to get more representation so you know we're very conscious of the the depiction but again to talk about e-viewing in the Ironheart comic which I'm sure we'll hopefully you know dedicate an entire episode to at some point what she does with that comic is that she makes Riri Williams have these shortcomings like Mm -hmm. and there's things about Riri Williams that you don't like that are annoying and I appreciate that because everybody has those things Mm -hmm. you know in the case of Miles he he messes up like you know he's got you know some you know some issues with his dad Mm -hmm. uh he sort of defies his parents he you know sneaks out he goes and he he's like has a a great relationship with his uncle but his uncle you know is sort of this uh sketchy character and but he he doesn't carry he Mm -hmm. he really admires his uncle and and so i appreciate that you know we get these these characters who are not only diverse whether it's with regard to race or gender or other you know axes of identity but just that they're they're really human in every sense of the word yeah and so like one one last thing about this movie it's not something that uh it's like it's doing first but i think it's sort of another another movie another comic book movie in particular in a line of movies that are sort of like retellings of sort of like these archetypical stories you know so this movie is basically just a coming of age movie you know but it's you know it's spider-man you know, and it's kind of like how, um, you know, Winter Soldier, it, it, that's a spy thriller movie, mm-hmm. except it has Captain America. Or, you know, in, uh, Endgame is like a heist movie, except it's Iron Man and Captain America in the Avengers, you know. And I think that just goes to show that you can sort of like take these like archetypical stories and put like the trappings of comic books and superheroes on them and still have great movies. And I hope, I hope story, or I hope studios like keep doing that mm-hmm. like just like just tell compelling stories and don't and don't worry yes. about about the uh you know about i don't know make like making it a superhero movie <laughs> like make like make it make it a good movie that has superheroes in it you mm-hmm. know yeah so i think that's it for our episode this week we hope you enjoyed it. We hope, like I said, if you have not seen into the spider verse and yet you are somehow still listening to this 
Yeah. I hope you we convince to... you to watch it. Yes. Uh, and as always, if you like this episode, you can help us out by rating and reviewing us on iTunes or Google Play or Stitcher or wherever you get your podcasts. There's a good chance we're on there. And we'd love to hear from you uh, about today's episode, past episodes, episodes you'd like us to do in the future. And you can uh, reach out to us by emailing us. Our email is nerdversusnerdpod at gmail.com. So that's nerdvsnerdpod uh, at gmail.com. And you can also find us on Twitter and Facebook at nerdversusnerdpod. And so, so what's our next episode, Mike? Uh, next episode, uh, we'll be talking about Spider-Man Far From Home. And I think this is one we'll actually do. Because <laughs> last time you said we were going to talk about Men in Black, we decided to talk about a better movie instead, which is why you got this episode. And I hope that the new, I'm, I'm sure the new Spider-Man Far From Home movie will be uh, will live up to our expectations. It's been getting some pretty good early reviews. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, we will talk to you then when that when that episode comes out. Yep. Thanks yeah. for listening. Yeah. Bye.